0: Welcome to the Functional Tennis Podcast. I'm your host, Fabio Molle, and every week I bring you insights and lessons from players, coaches, parents, and experts who are ingrained in the world of high-level tennis. This week's episode took place in Valencia, Spain, where I was at the G-Tennis Center for the Technifiber Junior Training Camp. Technifiber has a yearly event with a small selection of top juniors that are between 11 and 15 years of age. Technifiber supports these juniors on their journey to the pro tour. The goal of the camp was for them to get out of their comfort zone on court as well as off court. Technifiber sees themselves as a player's company and it was a chance for them to spend time and share knowledge with the players, parents and coaches. Each of the five kids here were exceptionally talented and with the right mindset and guidance, they've the chance to become a top player and Technifiber wants to help them fulfill to their potential. Leading the encore work was the recently retired Pablo Anglahar, who's a career high of ATP 32, with many matches against Nadal, Novak, and even a win against Federer. He provided great knowledge to the kids. He was very open with his experiences and gave great advice. Also on the trip was former world number 41, Kenneth Carlson. Kenneth is the coach of 11-year-old, Philip and dianti He also played a big role in the junior development of Holger Ruin and is back on the Holger Ruin team at present. He was also on the podcast back in episode 162 and it's definitely worth a listen if you want to know more about him and learn about his pro career journey. Kenneth was also very open and would answer questions, gave advice as well as talk about experience on the tour. If you ever meet him, ask him about the first time he ever played golf. So today's episode was an unplanned chat where both Pablo and Kenneth talked about their early days in tennis, lessons learned on tour, and advice for the young players, parents, and coaches to take on board. The five juniors also asked them a question each, and I suggest that they both ask each other a question. There's definitely gold in today's episode, and it's a must listen if you're a junior tennis player, a junior tennis parent, coach and junior, or just love tennis. Before we get started, a shout out to our podcast partners. Asics, my favorite shoe, the Solution Speed, has been updated and the new FF3 will be available in January. It's lighter, it's better, that's all you need to know. Alex De has said, sometimes he thinks they can't make a better shoe and Asics has come and made it even better. So I'm really excited to try it. I haven't tried it yet. Once I do, I'll report back here and let you know really how good it is. Finally, thanks to Dylan Gee, who you may know as Tennis with Dylan on Instagram, who was on the trip with me. I used his audio for the show as I didn't have my recording equipment with me, as I mentioned earlier. This was unplanned. I hope you enjoy it. If you do, please share this episode on social, as there are many great lessons in here, and I know there's many other people who can learn who don't listen to the podcast. So, firstly, Pablo kicks things off. He covers his early playing days studying, making sacrifices as well as questions you must ask yourself.
1: Here in the tennis club here in Spain there are big tennis clubs where all the family get during the whole weekend we stayed in the tennis club for 10 hours playing soccer, tennis, table tennis, lots of things. So that's why I started actually loving the game because I was having fun with a group of uh, of guys more or less my age, and and then I started here in Valencia area, started winning the regional um, under 12, the regional under 14, and then I became one of the best Spanish players, uh, in, with my age, after Nadal of course, <laughs> um, and that's how how I started, right? Um, my parents have always, they were pushing me for the educational part. They always thought that it was very important for me to finish at least the examination to get to the university, because before it was not really well seen going to a university and becoming a professional. It was something different at that time. Not anymore, I think. Um, so I made this examination to get to the, um, to, the, to the university. And that's when I really started becoming a profession, that, when I was 18. Since I was 16 to 18, I started playing, playing junior tournaments. I, while I was studying, I, I think I finished six or seven in the world junior. And I won Roland Garros Jr. with doubles with uh, Grano Yers, with, te- with, with, with Technifiber, Techni- Techni- ah. both, both <laughs> players, with Technifiber. And, and then you start a new life, right? And that's where I think having Kenneth and me here, I think it is important for you guys that are probably Sergio as well, that are um, closer to that part to know a lot, lots of things that probably we both didn't know and all the sacrifices that you have to do to become a tennis player. So if someone told me all the things that I have left behind um, to become a tennis player, I would still continue and and make the effort to become a tennis player, but I think it's good when you decide to become a tennis player, to know as much things as possible, right? Um, mm. Not to be at home during, during mm, um, Christmas, or um, a girlfriend is leaving you because you're not there anymore, or uh, your friends are not, co- are, uh, you don't have the, the same friends as you had when you were 12 because you don't see them anymore all these kind of things i think is is good to know them before to really to really achieve and if you really want to achieve that goal to become a, a tennis player you have to accept those kind of things of course you have to and this is more to your age you have to love the game you have to i think if you don't enjoy playing tennis i would say quit right now because you are 11 12 that's i think the the most important thing is to enjoy and then when you become this these ages, then really make this uh, make this question to yourself am i um am i committed to really Make this all these sacrifices to become a tennis player, yes or no, if your answer is yes, then go ahead and try as much as possible and try to fight and try to work every day trying to 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 you know to improve every day something and try to achieve your goals and and realistic goals right but um the first thing I would say is really, do we want to become professional tennis players? And, and what was your goal when you started to when, play? When, when I when I started, the only thing I wanted is when I was sixteen is to finish my studies to start a professional career. Uh, and I was lucky because in the meantime, I, my, my level was growing. So my time in the futures was very little. was probably one year because I didn't have played so many futures because I was playing juniors and I was studying. So at that time, from 18 to 19, I was very fast. I won a couple of futures and then started with when I was 20 years with a Challenger event. And that's where you can see really the professional players uh, and try to imitate what they are doing. So my goal was always to try to improve and go as fast as possible to the, to the best level. Uh, so to you guys, my advice would be, of course, enjoy with what you're doing. Enjoy, really enjoy, that's the most important thing. And to you guys, do I really want to become a tennis player, a professional tennis player? No, with all the sacrifices to become tennis, tennis players. So it's, it's two, two different ages,
0: but I think um, the goal must be that
1: one. So that's a little bit, yes. Yeah.
0: Kenneth, who's now 50, talks about his time as a junior and, and how things were different back then to now talks about having the burning desire as well as the importance of having a strong team around you at a young age.
2: Well, my background, I'm a little older, so I'm 50 years old. So it's another time. The world was different at that time. It was before internet. It was before computers. It was before uh, mobile telephone. It, it sounds weird. It sounds like yesterday, but it's, it's in a different world. Yeah. So at that time, I started playing tennis when I was eight, nine years old. I played uh, football before, swimming. Athletics, gymnastics, a lot of different things, playing around. So, so using my body all my life since I could walk, it was a different time. And, and as a coaches, we need to, to consider it, that, that it's a different time today yeah. than it was. We cannot treat them like, like the, way, the way I was grown well, no. up, because they, they grow up differently. So we have to respect the way you are. But... Um, uh, for, for me I was very early I was uh, at, at 12 I, I got very good in Denmark and I got good internationally and I was dreaming to become a professional tennis player since I was 12 uh, and wanted to be number one in the world and win the Grand Slams that was my my goal uh, at that time there was nobody in Denmark who had been top 100 so it's uh, you know it was a uh, it was a huge uh, in, in men's there was one girl who was in top 100 uh, before but no men before that um, so it was a uh, a huge things to to have that, uh, and as a junior i became number three in the world on the ihf uh, and i made the, the transition very fast like you i was uh i played some 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 uh, it was before futures it was called satellites you had to play four weeks in a row to to become to get points you have to to play well in all four tournaments to get points and you didn't get so much so you had to it's not like now, where you play one tournament and you get the points. It was, it was pretty tough mentally and physically. Yeah. Um, so it's good, we have the futures now. But the, the thing that I, I would like to say to, to, to all of you actually, is that I think it's very important that you that you have the burning desire, yourself. It's, I mean, you it, it has to come from you. Nobody can give you the desire to become good. It has to come from you. And the ones who get good, they they don't doubt if they want to be tennis player in my opinion they uh they they know that's that's the only thing they want so you like you you have to decide okay do I really want this if you have it it's unbelievable i mean it's a dream i mean it's, look it's a dream uh, when when you when you play it's 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 a good life it's a tough life it's it's very tough but it's it's a good life um one thing that I, that I would like to, 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 uh, to say to all of you is that, uh, that I think when, when I was growing up, it was a different time. At, at that time, if you had one coach, you were very lucky to travel around with you. You were very lucky. And I was traveling in, in Denmark. The cult, tennis culture was not that great at that time. And I was traveling a lot by myself when I was a junior. A lot. Maybe I had one coach with me. The first year I was a senior maybe I had for five six tournaments and I was playing 30 tournaments so I tried traveling a lot by myself and uh, I can see on other players now that it's so important to have a good team around you it's getting more and more important because all the, all everybody has so so you need to build a, a strong team around you who you trust who has the potential to 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 build you up every day they cannot do it for you but I think it's very important that where the, the ages that you are in now, the, the, the last two, three years of your junior's career, and the first two, three years of your senior career. I think I made a, a, a mistake. It was not my fault, actually. It was just the, the culture in Denmark was not good enough. So I was traveling one and a half years almost by myself. The first year I, uh, I broke through on the ATP tour, I went from nothing to 66 in the world on eight months. So I was traveling all around and, and my first uh, final and won a lot of challenges and and stuff that. i got a wildcat in Copenhagen in march beat number 18 in the world at that time and and went to the quarterfinal and i got a lot of confidence and i went on to win a couple of uh challenges on clay straight away and my my ranking just went up and everything was fun you know when you have the confidence everything is fun and you you can know, even if you make bad mistake, bad, bad decisions, it doesn't matter, because you have the confidence. Uh, we played the, the Davis Cup against Argentina one time, and the day after I flew to Brisbane, Australia, 24, 24 hours, and played the day after, and I went to the final. I mean, it's so stupid schedule, but I had the confidence. But the problem was that you, I got the pay, what do you call it, the... Uh, I got the negative side one and a half years after because I played too many tournaments. Yeah. I had nobody to advise me, to, to, to pace me. I had nobody to, to advise me how to, to, uh, to, to make my game better. It was only myself. So, so I didn't, in, I don't think I improved my game in those one and a half years, but I got a lot of confidence. But once I lost the confidence, uh, I got a big uh, set down. And I think actually looking back it cost my career. I could have been better, I think. That's one of the things that, that I regret, looking back, what I know now, is the first couple of years going seniors, it was, I would have loved to have... I, before, I used to to, 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 uh, to uh, compare, not myself, but the situation with like Roger Federer. I was one of the biggest talents going up in the juniors. So uh, there was me and one or two other guys that say, "Okay, this is the new top ten players, maybe number one winning Grand Slam." You beat him, Roger. Yeah, 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 but 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 the problem was that the I didn't have anybody. I had I didn't have a team. And if like Roger Federer, he had like a team from he was very young. Two two other he had Peter Lundgren and Peter Carter, who was former tennis players, and he had physical coaches and stuff like that to build his career from junior to to senior the first couple of years. So. And that's why now I tried to, to work uh, with both Holger Rune and Clara Towson. And, and that's what we tried to do with Holger, to build a very, a very good team in the beginning of the career, even when he was 12, and then building on that and having the same kind of foundation going in the last couple of years as a junior and the first couple of years as a senior. So you, you have people around you who knows you, who knows how your mental is, so it can 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 feel if you're tired, uh, knows how much they can push you, knows when you need a break, know so you, so you, so you keep the the enjoyment in in it, everything, and and can also guide you in the right way. I think it's very very important to have people around you who knows you. Today, when I was growing up, my parents were supporting me a lot, but they. <laughs> never interfered with my tennis, never. It's a totally different ball game today. We have parents everywhere. We have, and I think it's a good thing. Don't don't, don't uh, misunderstand me, I think it's a good thing because you need those parents, you need those people, the coaches that have known you for a long time. I also used to work with Caroline Vasnyagi for many years and her father, he didn't know anything about tennis in the beginning, he was a football player. But in in the end, he was a very good coach, because he learned from from the coaches that was around him and and and, and created a team when she was growing up, always getting better and better and better, and having people you know, trust to make the right decisions. So I think the the parents, the 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 coaches that you are surround yourself with are very important, because at some point. Now we're here with Technifier, but at some point. There's going to come sponsors, there's going to come agents, there's going to come all kind of different things. When you get good, there's also going to come girls that are want something. You know, there's going to come some somebody who wants something from you. So I think it's very important to surround yourself with people that you trust, so you can choose the right path. And you, especially you guys, even you guys, because you're already also with Technifab and, and agents and stuff like that, but you are right at that age. Where it's very important to have a very good uh, team around you who can who can uh, guide you in the right direction. Um, it's very tough. It's, all, it's also got much more expensive to to become a tennis player because you have to you have travel with your parents, you travel with the coach, maybe you have to go to an academy. You you know there's a lot of things, and you can feel a lot of pressure from everybody. You can feel pressure from parents, you can feel pe- pressure from, from the coaches, you can feel pressure from yourself.
0: If I don't calm them.
2: But you need to accept that. To become a world-class tennis player, you cannot run from the pressure. You need to learn how to handle it. And that's also where the team is very important, so, so you get the right, right mentality to handle the pressure, because you cannot run from it. There's going to be pressure outside the court. There's going to be pressure on the court. You're going to have break points. You're going to have set points. You're going to have match points with or against against one. There's pressure everywhere, and actually, you have to learn to love that. It's not always funny, haha, but you have to have that passion to to enjoy your. It's eight all in in the match tiebreak at Wimbledon in the fifth set. This is this is where I want to be. You know. <laughs> And if you can get to that mental
0: stage where you love those moments, fuck, you have a good chance to be good. Kenneth span a couple of tennis generations. He was around when Sampras was around and he was around when Federer was around. And 14-year-old Jules Rimbaud asked Kenneth who was the best player he ever played. I was, I was in an age where I was professional for 16
2: years. So I was lucky enough to, to be playing at the same time as Ivan Dental, who was number one in the world. Boris Becker, Stefan Edberg, Pete Sampras, uh, Boris Becker, uh, Andrew Agassi. I said to Pete Sampras, right? Uh, yeah. And also Roger Federer, Nadal, Djokovic. And the end of my career, the last five years, they were also playing. So, uh, so, so. the question is, who is the best player in the world of all time? Is that, uh, that Djokovic, Nadal, or, or, or Roger? Mm-hmm. Um, on 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 the records, I think it's uh, it's uh, Djokovic. There's no doubt he's gonna end up the way. But for me, I was also lucky enough to see Roger Federer. How it in my opinion, how he changed the game, because he took he took the tennis to another level. And 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 I liked the way he did it because he trusted the way he was going. He didn't do what everybody else was doing, but he trusted his own way, and 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 created something new. And that's sometimes what geniuses do. They don't do what everybody else is doing, but they, they have people surround them, but they, they make some decision to go their own way. And the way he took the, the tennis to another, to another place was, was incredible to see. And it, it, took, it took some years, it took until Nadal came for somebody to really push him. Um, and I think Roger took something new to the game, and then Nadal came and took clay court tennis to a completely different level. Um, and Djokovic, is the, his professionalism just to another level. So, so on each on their own way is exceptional, those three. But I have to say that it's, imp- it's
0: impressive what Djokovic is doing now. Jules, again, asked both players what were their best memories on tour. For me, I have to say,
2: there's two. I, I, to one, the tournament, I won uh, three A to B tournaments I won in Tokyo was the last one I did. And it was after I had two shoulder surgeries. So I came back after two surgeries. I was away 19 months to come back, like within one year to win this tournament. It was like, fuck. Yeah, I was coming back and didn't know if I was gonna play again and then winning. I won this and I won another. It was like ATP 500 tournaments in Tokyo and Memphis. Really, really nice. But the one match that I, that I enjoyed playing the most in all my life, was uh, Stefan Edberg in Centre Court in Wimbledon. I beat him in five sets. Um, And I I can tell you, in this match, every time we had a changeover, I was just sitting and waiting for the umpire to say time because I really wanted to get out there again. I was like, it was so much fun. Uh, I don't think I enjoyed playing a match as much as this one. Um,
1: Yeah, my story is a little bit like Kenneth. When I won Marrakesh in 2018, after three surgeries in my elbow, <clears throat> it was an amazing feeling. And that this, those kind of moments is when you remind yourself, why am I a tennis player, right? Though, mm. For those moments, I was um, playing tennis and, and, and making all the sacrifices I was telling. And then another one, very very nice was when I played against Nadal in semifinals in Rio de Janeiro although I lost that match having too much points tie in the third set um, I remember playing that match really really well controlling the game against Nadal Um, so those two moments I would say they were the best but I have lots lots of, of really
0: nice moments right 16 year old sergio planella who will enter the itf top 50 in january asked pablo about how he dealt with pressure it it was to
1: me it's always been very easy very easy there is pressure yes and as kenneth says you have to accept that but the only thing i said to myself is i want to go to bed, knowing that I've done the best thing possible to handle the pressure, to improve myself, and to, you know, work on the on the on work on the things I have to work. So if 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 I have to say from one to ten, if I gave everything till ten, I was I was um, I was happy. So that release uh, re- releases you a little bit of pressure. Once you, once you give everything and do the right things, I think that, to me, it releases me a lot. And then another part, and that was um, when I was getting older, that helped, helped me a lot, is to re- relativize things, right? I don't know if that's a, a word in English, but... If you lose a match, you lose a match. It's not the end of the world, right? So we all, tennis players, lose lots of matches. So once you accept that losing a match is tennis as well, the only thing is, okay. I've lost a match. Why? Let's try to improve, right? So once you accept that losing, of course, it hurts and it has to hurt right it must hurt otherwise you you cannot be a tennis player but just saying okay now I want to work on improving for the next time that happens that that moment or that um, that problem to, to solve that problem I think that also
0: helped um, helped help me a lot French kid Tebioo trafelli asks, what's the difference between a top 10 player and a top 100 player? Uh, for,
2: for me, uh, there's different things. There's, uh, first of all, uh, consistency. Uh, first of all, uh, second of all, it's about, I mean, all top 100 players can play like number one in the world, pretty much, but not on a daily basis. So it's also about your bottom level. Uh, Is to have a, when you have a bad day, that you still have a very high level. Um, then it's also a lot about um, if you have the weapons, you need to have to be a top ten player. You have to be almost the best in the world or something. You have to have weapons. It can be a good serve, it can be a good forehand, it can be a good return. But you have to have weapons, and then you have to have an incredible mentality. The mentality is maybe the the last thing that that uh, that really puts you on, on on that edge. You have. You can see if you if you look at the, the top 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 guys. You have to have that crazy, almost, um, almost cockiness about you, that you think you're the best in the world. You have to believe it yourself. If you don't believe it, it's going to be really tough to, to become up there. So you have to have that kind of almost arrogance to, to, to you can see it. I remember when Djokovic was coming up, and, and Federer and Nadal was the best. He was number three. But you could see on his bucket list, he thought he was the best. He thought he was number one in the world, even if he was number three. And he came to number to number one, but he had that arrogance, that aura, that he was already there. And everybody was afraid of of Nadal and Federer at that time, you know. Everybody, oh, and they were much, they were better than everybody else. So, so now this young guy, this cocky young guy, of Djokovic, he comes and he believes he's better than them, and he didn't care what people were saying if he was sober.
0: You have to have the mentality. 12-year-old Damian Avramovsky from Bulgaria asked Pablo, how did he train as 12-year-old and how much should he be training now? That's a difficult one because as, as Kenneth said, the world has changed, right?
1: And, yeah. and tennis training systems ha- have changed a lot. Now, nowadays... And that's a little bit a problem of the society. We want everything now, and we, we don't have any patience, right? And that is something important for you guys, because um, when, when, when I was playing your age, maybe a little bit older, I, want, I wanted to become a tennis player because I really I, it was my passion, right? My passion, I, I, I was watching Sergi Bruguera winning Roland Garros and I wanted to be become him right so now it is difficult I think it's more difficult for you guys to have more focus during more time so because everything is changing and even the kids are changing maybe it's working less time, but with more quality. Before, when I, was my, when, when I was younger, we practiced a lot, lots of repetitions here, especially in Spain. It was repetitions, repetitions, physical training. So my advice would be to try to practice less time. I don't know how much time. With more quality. But with more quality. I mean, that's the focus and to keep that, to, be, to keep that until the end of your career. Because I have a, I have a, it's a, a, a small thing with Federer, a crazy thing. But when I was 18, we won Roland Garros Jr. So I was uh, with uh, Marcelo Neuer playing. They gave us a wild card in Madrid, in the Master 1000, right? It was indoors before. So Federer was playing night match so I stayed the whole day just to warm him up, okay? You warm up at 7 o'clock with Roger Federer, and I was there, you know, really tight, and uh, how long? 30 minutes, 35, 40 minutes to warm up. So the whole day waiting, we came there, and Federer hit five minutes, made two serves, and then got to the court, and I was saying, but how how is because he was so confident what Kenneth was saying, and then he won in his match. And that makes you think that the way we were training before, in my opinion, it was not not the best, especially for young kids, but also for for older kids. Too many hours, with too many repetitions, something that, okay, my passion was that, but sometimes, you know, you get a little bit bored. And it's better to train a little bit less, enjoy, and focus on what you have to work, and that's it. That's quality, and that is going to make you improve your game. Another thing is, okay, we want to, we want to, to work our mental, our physical, of course, you need to, to do long, long sessions. But I think the most important is quality and maybe less time.
0: German junior Eric Muller asks Kenneth for advice on about changing things up when you're heavily losing a match.
2: Um, for me, it's very important to, to try to, to have a plan. Uh, I try to do that also in the practice and everything. So you kind of, you have a plan, but at some point, if it's not working, you have to change that plan. So yeah, you have to try to, 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 to have a mentality that you're working on your game all the time. And if it's, the plan is working, you have, to, you have to stick to it, even if... Now we're talking also about pressure. How to release pressure? Sometimes for me, this is some simple things. Sorry, I'm coming back to your question. Um, but it's also to have the plan. Because if you feel pressure, for me to be brave on a tennis court is to stick with the plan, even if it's breakpoint, set point, match point. You know how it's tough it is to, 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 to play the right way on those points, but if you do that, there's a reason why you have those break points. There's a reason why you have the set point or match point. So if you if you're brave enough, keep the plan. Uh, and I think it's very important that you also have the possibilities to say, okay, I'm I'm down six ones, three love, and and have the. Instead of being frustrated, of course you're frustrated, but also to have the clarity to, to breathe. Use the changeovers in tennis, you have the, the privilege and sometimes the curse that you have time to think. So use that time in between points and, and in between games so you can try to, to figure out a new game, game plan. So you have in, in between points, you have 25 seconds. So in, I, I tell my players, you have one third where you can react to the point, hopefully in a good way and try to be an actor on the court. If, you, if, you're, if you're mad, be an actor. It's a, it's a, it's an acting game out there. The opponent, your opponent, is gonna notice if you're pissed or down on yourself, and then he's gonna smell blood. And then you have one third to to neutralize, and then you have one third to um, to to think on the next point. And in the changeover, you have more time, so use that time to to rethink your plan, because there must be something that you can do. At least, maybe move your feet better. Put more balls in. Try to uh, attack more. If the guy is better on you on the baseline, maybe change up the rhythm. You need to change something. If you're behind 6-1, six 3-love, lo- six you need to change something. And you, have to, you also have to see, okay, is the other guy playing, am I playing good, but the other guy is better? Then you have to change the tactic. Sometimes you're playing terrible. So you need to, f- to find a solution for that also. And many times it's very basic move your legs, look at the ball, play on bigger margins, go more on, on the cross court than, than long line. Because when you play bad, you tend to go for the big shots all the time. So make it more simple. I don't know if it's answer on your question. Yeah. And I have one thing that, that uh, I, I'm not a big quote fan, but, uh, but I wish that I understood this quote a little better. Billie Jean King said something very... very uh, About the pressure. Why? Pressure is a privilege. And, you know, you don't understand that in Europe because you haven't been there, but it's a privilege to be in your shoes. It's a privilege to be able to just consider have your hobby as a job. There's so many people around the world who doesn't have, there's war around the world. There's people who doesn't have food. There's people who go to work every day just because they need to make money. You have the chance maybe to have a job where you enjoy going on... Most of the days, you, you, you started playing tennis because you enjoyed playing tennis. It's a hobby. For everybody else, it's just a hobby. And you have the privilege to, to maybe earn... To, to have that as a living. So the privilege is also that you are so good that there's pressure. What would you rather have? Would you rather have... you, you are bad and no pressure or good and a little bit of pressure?
0: Pressure, really.
2: good impression. Yeah. So it's a privilege to have that pressure because if you're not good, you would not have that pressure. So the, the alternative is worse, is that you you are not good,
0: so there's no pressure. Oh. So it's actually a very very big privilege to have that pressure. I jump in to ask Kenneth, to ask Pablo a question, and also for Pablo to ask Kenneth a question. Is there anything you would have done in your career?
2: That you think could have done that you were gonna be better than you were, yes, I think so, yes um
1: I was someone during my career. I was someone when I was younger. I was someone that was thinking that coaches were the ones solving my problems, right? Trying to release that pressure to the to the coach. Lots of players do that. If I would have known before that the coaches were there to help me, but they were not the ones solving my problems, they were not the ones actually playing, I would have listened more to them and probably changed less coaches mm. and stick to that coach and to that mm. plan. And that would probably have helped me to become a better player. Yeah. My question to you is, how did the country that, where, where you come from, right? The, the goods and the bads for, of, of, of coming from a place where tennis, as you said, was not common, was not big. Was it positive, more positive because you were the one or more negative because you didn't have people to practice or the, 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 the courts or the infrastructure was not the good one. As someone like me, that I was not the best in Spain, of course, but I had lots of people
2: to practice with. I think for me to be, it was nice to be the best. It was nice to be the best in Denmark. It was nice to be, you know, to become uh, known as number one and the best tennis players in in Denmark, to be the first top 100, to be the first top 50, to be the first ATP, to win the ATP Mm -hmm. tournament and stuff like that. But it would have been much better for me to grow up in Denmark 30 years later where you had the more culture, where somebody else had already done those things, because then it would be natural. Of course, I should be in top 100. It would be more natural. Of course, I should be in, in top 10. You have coaches who knows a little bit more. In, in Spain, the culture uh, is, has been so much better. You had so many players who, who who's been doing it. So, so if you become number 40 in the world... No, it's normal. So it's uh, like if to become something, you have to strive higher. You have you have to become number one in the world, or you have to win Grand Slam. Otherwise, it's like, okay, you're number eight, you know. So, so I think to become the best in the world is good to have co- also come from a country where somebody was before you. Um, I agree on this. So more more negative but, than positive. Yeah, but, of course. But of course, you have. I, I I believe very much in culture. I it's like. Um, you know, the players that came after me, they came on... I also came on top of them. There was somebody before me. So I, you know, it get better and better yeah. all the time. It's like Roger Federer didn't come out of nowhere. They had Marcoset before, and so he was now number one in the world, but he was a good player, so it gets better and better. Uh, and like in Spain also, you had... Uh, many years ago, yes, you had... Sanchez Vicario, Rivera, yeah, yeah, Moya Exactly. Guerrero. And even before that, yeah, you also yeah. had... so. And then all of a sudden, then Nadal comes and put it to a completely other level. But now it's natural for Karas to go that way. So I think it's better to have the culture. The
0: culture is so important. Eleven-year-old Philip Hart, Viggs and Dianti asked Pablo, what did he eat as a young kid? Really funny question, got a good laugh.
1: <laughs> <laughs> uh, I was a little bit fat a fat fat guy, uh, when I was playing. But I would say, you know, at that time, we didn't have uh, that mentality that food was so important. So I was just eating what my mom was cooking. And she was cooking like a normal mom here in Spain with lots of food that probably were not the best for a tennis player, right? So. But I know now. Now I know that uh, to become a tennis player or a a, a sports athlete, nutrition is 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 one of the keys. So you have to to put um, to start with the educational part. In your ages, it's very important to understand that uh, food is very very important. And sleep. And sleep. And and the end to rush. I think the end to rush is is so important, not only for them, but for all the the people around them, to understand all these things, right? I think it, that that's that's also a very important key.
0: Yes. Dylan Gee asked about the importance for these young kids to work on their mental strength at a young age. For for me, it's the. For me to become a good
2: tennis player, and this is only the headlines, you need to be very good technically, tactically, physically and mentally. And you need to practice that every day. You need to have those, those things in your practice every day. So that's, that's your responsibility. It's your team's responsibility. It's, uh, it's my responsibility as my, for my players also to teach the players the mentality, because it has to be a part of the everyday, uh, everyday uh, job. Of, of a tennis player, because if if you're lacking one of these three well, in my opinion if you're lacking uh, one of these uh, four pillars it's going to be very tough for for you to become a uh, top top tough player of uh, an international tennis and then you also have this is only the headlines you have under each of the headlines you have many things you need to be good at um, so so but but you need to be very good mentally also so I, in my opinion, you need to work on it every day. Maybe it's all you Okay. Yeah, I, I,
1: I agree with Kenneth and, and, you know, one of the things... I, I've been lucky to, to know Rafa since we were 12 or 12, 10 or 12 years old. And one of the things he has always been, is really humble right? He knew he was the best. He knew it. And that's something that Kenneth said, right? him the, the top guys they know they are the best but they don't have to show they are the best they he's humble but he knows and and so that is something that probably his uncle um has always been trying to educate him um and to have respect uh for the other players right and this this, this is something that uh, we don't normally talk about but i think the values that tennis gives you are Probably the best in the sports, right? To 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 have respect for the for the for the other tennis players is something really important. Um, and that doesn't keep you. That doesn't um, that, that that doesn't um, make you. That doesn't make you that you're going to be worse, right? No, you can still be the, the, the best player, but with that uh, education, which I think is very important. And in these ages, that is in these ages what you have to work a lot as well in those values, right? Because, because once they become 18, it's going to be very difficult. I know lots of players in my age, they are still 37 years old, and they are still very bad on the court. And that's something that you have to work on in early ages.
0: Really hope you enjoyed that chat. Sometimes the unplanned ones are the best ones. I really, really enjoyed it and I have a heavy feeling you did too. Uh, Let me know. I'm hoping to have Pablo back on the podcast soon where he'll tell us more about changing coaches, Nadal's level in practice, the impossible task for him to beat Novak, as well as beating Federer. I really can't wait. And finally... If you do enjoy the show, please, please share it with other players out there. I know they can all learn a little from this episode. Thank you.